Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Pay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, while you're on top of the mountain enjoying your President's Day getaway, right before you came back, I don't know if you had service up there or not, but I don't know if you saw, but allegedly, apparently, according to league sources, quote-unquote league sources, there is a strong possibility that Jay Wright in New York could happen. And by New York, we mean the Knicks. They're showing strong interest in Villanova coach Jay Wright coming to the Big Apple. They're citing all the stuff he says about MSG, playing at the Garden every year, Biggie's tournament, this and that. Chris, what do you have to say about these rumors? The, the New York Knicks want, want Jay Wright. Is what you're telling me? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh i love it it's the annual jay wright's leaving rumors and yeah he's gonna go to the knicks the the new york knicks the team that turns over coaches worse than the most uh, big four accounting firms do with their associates that they're gonna do that with their coaches yeah he's gonna go there with okay all right that's fine have fun (laughs) have fun wow i must have really been out of touch because i didn't even realize that was a possibility until you told me i'm gonna do some quick research here um oh wow look it's already been debunked by uh, dana o'neill who says he's not going anywhere well that was that was fun while it lasted Oh, it was so much fun. I had all these, like, Nick fans asking me, so what do you think the odds are? All of a sudden, they're Villanova fans, and they're dissecting film, and they're looking at the Temple game, and they're like, oh, I love this ball movement. I love this three-point heavy offense. We need some of that at the Big Apple because we have no shooters. And I'm just sitting there thinking, no, no. We do this every year. And honestly, the only thing that was probably more outlandish than going to the Knicks and that disaster from front office was a couple years back when they were like, Jay Wright to the Phoenix Suns. Yes, like Jay Wright, Philly boy, East Coast boy, is going to go all the way to the desert state of Arizona to be the coach of the Phoenix Suns. Sure, they have McHale now, but to me that just sounded so weird. If anything, if there was like a chance, if he were to take the NBA leap, I feel like it would have to be for his hometown team, the Philadelphia Sixers. If anything, sure, I guess like the Knicks, you know, he loves playing at the Garden, this and that, but it's just so ridiculous. It's so funny. It's so funny. I just love it, too, when people actually think that there's a chance that it's going to happen. I, I know. I would think he would rather go to a, a team that's established and whatever, not a rebuilding squad. I don't think he would be for that. Or maybe he is. I don't know. But that, that just doesn't make sense. Every time you hear it, it just doesn't make sense. And I mean, look, look at Beeline with Cleveland. It's oh, been disaster! First disaster. I mean, Kevin Love wants out already. Like, not that he Be- Beeline might not even make it. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's it's stupid. So why why do that when you got something great? Don't do it. Because it worked out for Brad Stevens. <sighs> well, Brad Stevens also had a lot of talent around them, and the Celtics had every possible pick for like. Yeah, I was going to say the, the front <laughs> office also has like 50 times the IQ of the Knicks front office. Uh, yeah. And didn't the Knicks just hire a player or player agent to be their GM or president? Look how that's going with the Mets. So far. yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, Leon Poe, who is actually, he, his agency is linked to Eric Pascal. So do you think that sways? Do you think that sways it a little bit? Uh, clearly. <laughs> I think, think Jay Wright will take the job and trade for Omari. So he can be traded for the eighth time. 
then, and then trade for Eric, and yep. then trade for Josh, and then trade for Mikhail, and then trade for Jalen, and get all the boys back together. Yeah, and then to get Donovan Mitchell to come back home. We're set. We're set. Oh, yeah. Yeah, clearly. And then you, uh, you think this is ridiculous, but I literally woke up to DMs on Monday morning, yesterday morning, essays from Knicks fans talking about all the possible connections between Jay Wright that would bring him to New York. And they're like, Eugene, I just don't understand. Why, why, why wouldn't he come? <laughs> um, well, let me retort. <laughs> Here's a laundry list of reason why. Hey, that was funny. That's a great way to cap off a long weekend, Eugene. Great stuff. Great stuff. There, there were a lot of great stuff that went on during the weekend. Between reclaiming the Big Five championship. So, Chris, you can go back to slandering the Big Five. Oh, I am so happy. It was a little close in the first half. I'm not going to lie. I was about to be disappointed. That was a little bit of a stupid first half. I mean, they didn't play that bad. I think Temple kind of played the best they possibly could have. Uh, and then, obviously, Villanova just was just not looking all that high, especially uh, at, at some stretches. There were some stretches they looked good in the first half, some stretches they didn't. But then in the second half, they went on a little run to start, and that was the end of that. Yeah, but before we get into the games that we missed while we were away, because we didn't have a Thursday episode, I just want to take a look at the polls for a little bit. Chris, Villanova's now at number 12 in the AP polls that were just released yesterday. Are you a little surprised by that? They're the highest Big East-ranked team. They're on top of Creighton, who's at 15. Seton Hall dropped to 16. Marquette's at 19. And Butler's at 21. I'm not shocked by it. I mean, obviously, it's the polls, so it's obviously recency bias. But it is fun to see Seton Hall poo all over themselves after selling their soul to beat Villanova one time. And now they can't even beat Providence. It's a great time. It's hilarious. They thought they had the Big East wrapped up. In fact, I probably thought they had the Big East wrapped up, and they can't even beat Providence. Good. It's just a championship hangover, Chris. You know, they had the parade down. <laughs> uh, well, I forgot what avenue the Prudential Center is on. Yeah, you know, it's just a championship hangover. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they're trying to recover, for sure. That's crazy. I know Butler lost at home over the weekend, too. They, they, they are just really hit or miss. And every team in the Big East right now is hit or miss, I feel like. Creighton's probably the best team right now, like, like in terms of, like, streaks. Like, I feel like they're playing pretty well. Yeah, no, they definitely are, yeah. especially to beat Hall on the road. That was pretty impressive. It was. It was. They went in there and dominated them. Anything else jump out to you with the polls? It seems, in my opinion, to be just more of the same. Pretty much. Ohio State's back in the top 25 after being out for a while. Uh, I mentioned Creighton. They're up eight spots to 15, like you said. Uh, nothing else too crazy. Penn State cracked the top 10. I, that's the first time I've seen that. So. Yeah. Yeah, my coworker is a Penn State alum, and he's just like, wow, basketball better than football. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a weird times. Their football team was okay this year, though. No, they, they were, yeah, it was still, like, pretty good. But just the fact that Penn State basketball is in the top ten is pretty unreal. Yeah, and your boys at Dayton, Eugene, they've cracked the top five. Obi Toppin. Your Obi Toppin piece getting featured on ESPN over the week. That was pretty insane. Congrats to you on that. Yeah, there, there will be no ESPN slander for at least a little bit. Pending. Pending during March Madness, <laughs> de- on, depending on what they say. Yeah, yeah, because they, they put you on. You don't want to, you know, bash them anymore. Yeah, the assignment desk follows me on Twitter now. I can't, I can't just, <laughs> you know, release things anymore about how I feel. I got to be nice. Got to be nice. Yeah, give and well, take. With, with Penn State, my coworker used to tell me that he used to go, and the student section used to consist of, like, three rows of students, and all they would do is just heckle opposing coaches. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a great time. Man. That sounds like a great time, especially when 
Penn State basketball, I'm pretty sure it wasn't regulated. I'm sure the security yeah. wasn't as high. They probably didn't care what the fans were saying. But now was now that they're top ten and the place is packed, they got to be nice. They got to keep it PC. They got to keep it clean. They got to be good sports. It's worth it though because they're good now. Two Pennsylvania teams in the top fifteen. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. I mean, you had that when Pitt was good, but that feels like an eternity ago, which is kind of sad. They've fallen <laughs> so far. <laughs> they are. They are bad. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Before we hop on this Temple game and Villanova reclaiming the Big Five kingdom, we just need to backtrack a little bit and discuss the Marquette game since we weren't on Thursday. Chris, this was one of those games that you're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, wow, no slow starts. Nova's burying them. I forgot how much fun it is when everybody makes their shots. This is amazing. We can't be stopped. Then all of a sudden, I'm making orders on Seamless. Second half, oh, I can, I can order some food, you know, uh, talk to the delivery guy, step away from the TV for a little bit. I come back, I get settled down. Oh, oh, okay, it's a 12-point game. All right, it's a little close. Answer a phone call, come back. Oh, wow, it's a, it's a six-point game. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what is going on? What just happened? How did this happen? Why did we allow this? Marcus Howard draining threes. Marquette is coming back, but they fell short. Marcus Howard did get the Big East scoring record or whatever it was, but there's just a certain kind of poetry in that he broke the record on a meaningless three with Nova up four to make it a 72-71 to 71 final. Four cats in double figures with Jeremiah Robinson Earl leading the way with a 17-point, 11-rebound double-double. Colin Gillespie chipping in 14 points, five boards, four assists, and a steal. Jermaine Samuels, he added 14 points, seven boards, four assists. And then Sadiq Bey rounding out those double-digit scores with a 10-point performance. Then on the Marquette side, Marcus Howard, your leading man with a game-high 24. Sakar Annam, one of the guys you said to watch out for, Chris, he had a pretty solid day, 14 points. Kobe McEwen did not obliterate Nova this time, but he did have a 12-point, 11-board double-double with five assists. Then coming off the bench, Jamal Cain with a 3-for-4 performance from downtown en route to a 13-point game with eight boards. Chris, this one was a little too close for comfort, but I was glad that Nova won because we needed to break that losing streak. And I swear, if we lost again, that would have just been flat out devastating. This game feels like eons ago. It does. But, it really does. But trying to put your, ourselves back in that mindset where how we were feeling after that three-game losing streak, and it was like, oh, like we still felt confident going into this game, but it was like, if they do lose, this is it's, it might be panic button time. But then they go out there, they light the world on fire, then in the second half, they don't hit like one three. They might have hit one. They were missing everything from the outside. The offense went stagnant. The defense reverted back to beginning of the year defense. Jamal Kane was lighting up the scoreboard and hitting every three in sight. Marcus Howard was taking step back threes with guys in his face and was draining them. Uh, Sakar Animal was getting to the rim with relative ease. Heck, even Theo John threw down a thunderous jam and got all up. And uh, I forget whose face. Oh, it was Colin Gillespie. He he acted like a DB when the quarterback yeah. overthrew his receiver <laughs> and acts like he. It was because of him. It's like, all right, Theo John, you're like twice his size. Calm down, calm down, yeah. buddy. Yeah, I remember. You remember that now. You're right. Um, and thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, it was just like, how do you allow them to get back into it? Like, I hate that 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 this is like the big takeaway from it because they did play overall. They did play well. And they did beat a number 18 Marquette team at home after losing three in a row to kind of get back on track here. But, like, how do you 
go up so big and then you just let them creep in and creep in and next thing you know it's single digits and then but like there was like waves where it was like Marquette will come down score a few points and Villanova would get right back in and you're like okay it's done then Marquette would do it again and Villanova would go on like a four-all run and we'd be like all right that's done and then and then the next four-all run for Villanova never came again and then Marquette was slowly chipping away and uh that was not pretty that was not pretty. Lots of misassignments, lots of uh, bad offense, stagnant offense. Uh, it's just I'm, I'm glad that Theo John was in foul trouble for most of the game. I think he was, at least in the beginning part. And I think that kind of opened some things up. Brendan Bailey was a non-factor. McEwen, as you mentioned earlier, was a non-factor for the most part, except for his one three he made, which I believe got it to the closest point that Marquette got outside of Howard's pointless three at the end. It was a tough watch that second half, man. I don't remember all that much specific. Also, JRE missing like 10,000 free throws at the end was pretty bad. He is the player of the game in my opinion, but him missing those free throws at the end was... Uh, it just added to the suspense. Uh, of course, yeah. He just had to keep us on edge for a little bit longer. That was not good. Yeah, just to throw out some numbers, Nova shot 2 for 12 from long range in the second half and only 32% overall. Not ideal numbers. Marquette, on the other hand, they were on fire. 7 of 14 from deep, 50%, and shooting north, just north of 45% overall as a team. Like you said, Marcus Howard and Kane, they were amazing for the Golden Eagles in the second half. But to me, the biggest takeaway, like, yes, I know it wasn't ideal, and yes, it wasn't pretty, but if Nova were to lose, and that losing streak extends because they blew, like, a 20-point lead, that's got to be the most demoralizing thing, especially when you're trying to regroup and crawl out of that hole that Nova was in, that slump that they were in where there was just a string of lackluster kind of let down performances where they were so close, but they couldn't do enough to get over the hump against Creighton or against Seton Hall. But if you had a 20 point or whatever crazy lead it was comfortable lead and you just let that go, God, that, that hurts going to the locker room. Like, yes, they won. <laughs> I'd rather win pretty, but if you're going to lose like that, Oh my God. Yeah. I, I would have said temple by 30 the next day. Yeah. I, I mean, how do you not let that spiral out of control? For such a young team, like I would think, like a senior-laden team might be able to like rebound a little bit, but like this team, I don't know. I don't know if they would have been able to handle that. Chris, I almost texted you, and I almost said, "Look, I understand you. You're going away. You're going to Vermont, but we're gonna have to talk if they lose here. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> if they lose here, we're, we're getting up at <laughs> three a.m. in the morning to do a podcast. Oh boy, three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was that type of game. It was developing into that type of game. But they but, won. Yeah, they won. Well, I guess. Yeah, they survived. They broke that losing streak, which is number one priority in my opinion. Obviously, would have loved for them to just hold on to lead and coast. But great start. Could have been a better finish. But you'll take it. You'll take it. Definitely. Definitely. Also, at the end, Marquette also missed a few free throws as well, including Marcus Howard. He went with three of six from the line. That is a bailout and a half. He hits four of six. They it changes. If he just is one of those, I know one of them is on the front end of a one one too. It's just not good for them at all on the free throw line. And also they turned the ball over a lot, Marquette did. So at least Villanova was able to still force turnovers in the second half, I feel like. Yeah, they really did bear down, I felt, in the closing minutes because if Marquette snatched or just got in front once, I feel like we're looking at a different game. For sure. The, the way their bench was acting too, it was like they, they were – kind of egging it on as well. And it was like, oh, like this was like all momentum. This was game is all momentum. 
Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it was a race against time, pretty much. Because you knew that Nova wasn't going to hit anything. And you're just <laughs> looking at the clock, just like, please hit all zeros. Please hit triple zeros. Please hit triple zeros. <laughs> but they won. And then they went on into the heart of Philly to play the Temple Owls. Lots of national champions in the house. Joe Cremo was in the house, too. It was great to see a lot of alum. It looked like that there was a nice little reunion there. Oh, Joe Cremo's in the house. Uh, yeah, that's cherry on top of that whole entire group that was there. You know, Sackerman was waiting for that. He was waiting for that. He just <laughs> wanted to see Joe Cremo, and then I saw he was chugging out content. I was like, oh, this guy. Can't let him live. Can't let him live. <laughs> let the poor man live his life. Is he still playing for the Long Island Nets or something? Isn't he doing something wrong with that? He was. I saw he did get selected or signed or whatever. We mm-hmm. could send our people on to make sure that he's – if he's still there or not. Okay. I hope he's doing well for himself. So – Nova and Temple, we're going to call this a Kong Gillespie game. If you are not on the hype train, please, this is the time. This is the time to be on the CG bandwagon, the CG hype train. This guy was electric on Sunday afternoon. I understand that Nova was trailing at the half, but it was not his fault. This guy was keeping Nova in it. It was a slow start, but it wasn't one of those where Nova got into like a 15-point deficit in the first five minutes. They just weren't hitting the shots. Temple, they got ahead by a little bit, but Nova was right behind them, and then they just kind of went basket for basket. Nova goes into the break, down by four, and then in the second half, rolling, bulldozing the competition, obliterating the Owls with a three-point barrage, going on a 20-2 run to open the half in the first five and a half minutes. And then from there, Nova just never cooled off. Gillespie continued to have the hot hand, but then you had guys like Jermaine Samuels, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Justin Moore cashing in from downtown to fuel that run and just put Nova all the way ahead. After Nova put into double digits, Temple had a little run to bring it back down, but then Nova rolled again, continued to bury them from beyond the arc, and just went on to win 76-56. to They hung 50 points in the second half. That's insane. We're talking three points a minute. Yeah, that was like teams of the past with their second half performance right there. Yeah, insane. Insane. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my math was off. It's not three. Yeah, it is. 20 minutes. 20. Oh, wait, no. Wait. Oh, no, it's two and, half, two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Cut that out. <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? I don't do numbers. I do words, all right? I don't do numbers. I do words. I do do numbers, and I still can't figure it out. I can't even do a two times three. That's great. Either way, the, the point is they killed them, all right? The point is that they killed them. Yeah. Nova was just electric from downtown. They shot 61.9% from deep, 13 threes in the second half alone. When a team's doing that, you just got to go home. You just got to you just gotta pray that it's like, oh, please, please just don't make it just don't make it a 40-piece. Like, if you're an owl and you just see Nova just make everything and then you have that excellent ball movement, there's nothing you can do. You just gotta, you just gotta take it and just wait for the clock to hit zero. Hey, there is nothing you could do at that point. Villanova was just hitting everything. It was good to see everybody hit their shots again. Kind of the inverse of what happened in the second half against Marquette. Yeah, and not only that, it was like, yeah, Quinn Rose, he was great, but Temple, for the most part, they did not have the firepower to match. There was just no way. Once Nova was rolling like that, and once the game got into the 15, 20-point margin, it was mm-hmm. like, all right, this this one's over. This one's over. Yeah, I, I felt much more confident in them holding this lead uh, than they did against Marquette. Uh, as you mentioned, Eugene Temple had no other firepower outside Rose, who did have a pretty good game and was relatively efficient compared to what he usually is. 
uh, going 10 to 22 from the field. But Nate Pierre-Louis was the only one of the guy to crack double digits, dropping 16. He had a pretty good game up. But everyone else was pretty uh, – not much of a non-factor. I mean, Moore, as we highlighted in our preview, was pretty much the only three-point shooter for Temple. And he went 0 for 4. And as a team, they went 2 of 16. So they really had no chance of crawling back into this once the game kind of got into the double digits. Yeah, it was just over. And Rose, he was he was okay. He was solid. Pierre-Louis, I was pretty impressed with. He had a nice double-double. Like we talked about, this guy is like the hustle guy. He does a little of everything for them, even though he's a guard. He's grabbing boards, getting steals. One of their top defenders. Obviously couldn't stop Colin Gillespie, who went 7-11 from downtown. Career high, seven made three-pointers, 29 points. Looking at the rest of the Nova squad, you got Jermaine Samuels, 13 points, seven boards. Jeremiah Robinson Earl with 10 points, five boards. Tadeek Bay, not that great of a shooting performance, only three of 13 overall, one of seven from deep. But he did have nine points, eight boards, five assists, and only one turnover. Always got to look at the ratio. Justin Moore was three of five from deep for nine points. Chris, we crushed him. We're back on top. We're now tied with Temple for the most big five titles in Philadelphia history, 27 each. I have a feeling we're going to overtake them and take the top spot next year. But I just want to talk to you about a pressing matter. I know you liked the home retro throwbacks, but did you like the blue with the gold, the away version of the retro throwbacks? I did. I didn't love them, though. I liked them. I I don't know if it was the lighting in Temple's Arena or whatever, but I I didn't like them as much as the home ones, but I still think I I would probably buy one if they were available. I liked them. They were pretty solid. I'm I'm guessing you did. Oh, if you thought or if I thought that the home version – was Michigan light. This was Michigan, like, full on. Full on. <laughs> they weren't even trying to hide it at this point. I didn't even know that this jersey existed. I didn't even know this one was in the repertoire. But I'm sitting there thinking, we are now Michigan light. This is now Michigan. You know, Eugene, I didn't even think of <laughs> So, I'm still not changing my answer. But I, I didn't think they looked like Michigan, Eugene. I think you're just, I think you're overblowing this. I'm going to have to show you later. I'm going to have to look up a picture of Mo Wagner or somebody or Jalen Rose, and then we're just going to do a side-by-side comparison off the air. I don't believe it. I mean, I mean, I believe, I mean, it's your opinion. That they look like I personally, I, I thought it was fine. You still hate the powder blues, right? I don't hate the powder blues. I just think it's very, they're odd. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't match. And they look, those look like UNC. This did not look like Michigan. Oh, man. Really? Oh, God. The Grays Grays looked like Georgetown. Like, I never got Michigan vibes from this jersey, ever. Wow. Maybe maybe they got to wear them in a a different way. Yeah, I will say the lighting is not that great at the Lycura Center. Yeah, and maybe it was just ESPN's freaking broadcast. But Oh, wait, Camp Basham. Sorry, retract that. Uh, You Uh, said it, not me, so it's okay. You're right. All right. I'm never going to write anything that we get put on there. But (laughs) – uh, I, I thought they were fine, Eugene, but if you want to call them Michigan Light, be my guest. I guess we're just going to see. I want Because I know that there were a couple of people on the interwebs when I've seen scouting around to see how people feel about this who thought they were Michigan Light, but then you have other people who are like, this is sick. I'm sure Mike Jacob loved them. That's all that matters. <laughs> He's a commander anyway, so. As long as the higher-ups like them. Yes. Who cares what our, what our plebeian butts think? <laughs> So with the win, Nova is now 19-6 and six overall. It's now going to be all Big East from here on out. They finished their non-con slate with an 11-2 and two record. Chris, 
I'm excited for this because now we can just focus on our conference siblings and uh, hopefully Nova can win out because that would be nice because I think that would put us at least with a shot to win or at least clinch a share of the Big East mm-hmm. tournament. I mean, the Big East regular season title, if my math is correct. I, I think so. And the way the schedule's set up, it, it kind of you, you kind of have a great opportunity to do so. I mean, I know the last two games on the road are going to be tough, and maybe even this weekend with Xavier on the road. But um, the hardest opponents are out of the way, with the exception of Seton Hall. You got the one game against them. That's it. So I'm going to be slacking on Thursday, so we're not going to have a Thursday pod. Full disclosure, putting it out there early. I got to take over the news desk, early shift, or I shouldn't say early shift. It's looking more like a night shift, and I'll be out in the morning. And by the time I get out. Chris will be going to work, so it's going to be impossible to release an episode. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to preview DePaul and Xavier, much like we did last week. Hopefully, when everything's back, we can be back in action with two episodes per week. But we're going to start off with DePaul because that's coming up Wednesday night in the Windy City. Chris, all I got to say is I just apologize to Pontelis Zidius. I want to apologize to Dib, which is Demon in a Blue Suit, or Dibs, I guess Dibs, their mascot. Dave Lato, the entire DePaul fan section that showed up for about 10 games, and anyone who's affiliated or in love with this university, because since we were campaigning, pushing, calling out to the world, the AP pollsters to rank DePaul, they they have dropped and fallen by the wayside. (laughs) They've gone 4-12 and ever since the campaigns, ever since that thrilling win against Texas Tech, ever since that we were petitioning on here, I went on Big East Coast Bias, I'm petitioning on there too, I'm petitioning on Twitter, and ever since then, everything has fallen flat on their face. They're now 13-12 and overall, 1-11 and in Big East play. They've lost seven straight. I think we're going to make it eight. But I would just like to apologize to the fine people over there at DePaul University because I think we just wrecked them. Dude, I told you. I think I said it the day of that we, we jinxed them. The instant we started saying that this team might actually make it, that they, uh, they, were gonna, they fell off. They fell off the proverbial cliff. They, their one one is at home against Butler this in the Big East play. That's it. That, that is absurd. I feel like the, the teams of the past for DePaul have more wins at this point in the Big East. Yeah, last year at this point, DePaul had five Big East wins. See, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And, like, this was a year that, like, you know, Big East supposed to be a little bit more wide open and whatever, and um, yeah. they've, they've hit rock bottom. Yeah, they had a great showing in non-con play, beating Iowa, Minnesota, Texas Tech in overtime. Then you would have thought, like, wow, 9-0 starts of the year. I think it was a program record. I don't remember. I'm sure I had those stats when I was ready to petition. And now – They've just fallen by the wayside. Chris, I'm not worried. I hate I hate to say it to DePaul after apologizing, but we're about to make it eight straight losses, I think, for them. I feel pretty good about Nova, especially now that they're back on the winning track. The game against Temple started off a little uncomfortable, trailing, going down at the half against a just barely above 500 team against the Temple Owls. But that second half made me feel pretty good. Back-to-back wins now for Nova. I think that they're starting to, you know, you just need to see winning. Winning, as we said before, is the best deodorant. It's the best cure for everything. It is, and hopefully that second-half performance uh, rolls into the first half and second half. And it's DePaul. I don't want to see this team go out to a slow start. I know DePaul doesn't present the biggest home court advantage in the Big East, but 
I, I don't want to see them fall behind early in a road environment. I think that would be a little tough to overcome. I know DePaul gave Villanova everything they can handle at the, at the Finn Pavilion, whatever you want to call it. I, I, although that was kind of the case last year, and I think the same thing happens this year. I think DePaul gives Villanova trouble at Villanova, but this time at DePaul, I think Villanova takes care of business uh, wire to wire. Yeah, that was when DePaul had a little more confidence, a little more swagger with itself. I think right now it seems like that they might be a little crushed. In the beginning when they were losing, it was by single digits. They were pretty competitive. They are right there. This time around, it's not looking like it. It's gone back to the double-digit margins. They, they just got slaughtered by Creighton 93-64 to 64 on Saturday. Seven straight in a row, it's not too hot. Chris, we know who the guys are to watch for. Charlie Moore, Paul Reed, mm-hmm. Jalen Butts, Jalen mm-hmm. Coleman-Lance. Charlie Moore especially. I think he gouged us he for like wrecked. 29 points. Like he, he was great. Paul Reed was solid too, double-double. Do you think that this time will be closer? Is it going to look like Villanova is going to start off slow again, giving up a 21-8 run only to come back and then force overtime? Or are we going to beat them handily this time? I think Villanova wins handily this time. Wire-to-wire victory, I'm predicting. No slow starts. Keep it up. Keep the tempo up. Uh, I think Villanova takes care of business. And if they do lose, well, that would be a shame. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not enough to get the – our petition back up and down, which would be the worst of both worlds. Yes, it would definitely be the worst of both worlds. Sir Pomeroy has Nova as a two-point favorite, 60% favorite to win. Do you think the margin will be bigger than two points? Yeah, I think it'll be around five to seven point victory. I think it'll be close, but I, I don't think, I think it's just because maybe the Paul kind of gets some garbage time points at the end. I don't think Villanova's ever going to be in real danger. I'm going to go with a dozen, and I think Colin Gillespie continues his hot hand. He killed them last time with 21 points, and I think he does something pretty similar to that. I, I'm with you there, too. I didn't really get to talk about him during our Temple recap, but Colin Gillespie's awesome. <laughs> I think yeah, if you're not on the hype train by now, people got to they got to hop on. My God, watching that on, on Sunday was just a sight to behold. Absolute fantastic performance, and I think he keeps it up. And then after – DePaul, we'll, we're going to have the rematch with Xavier last time out. Nova won 68-62 to 62 at home. It was a little closer than we thought because usually Nova slaughters the Musketeers whenever they enter the state of Pennsylvania, I believe. Since Big East realignment, before that game, Nova had beaten Xavier by at least an average of 20 or 21 points per game. So to have that four-point result, even though Nova was in control the whole time, felt a little different with that six-point margin of victory. But a win's a win. The Savior team, they looked solid in non-con play. They flirted with the top 25 for a minute. We weren't sure of how they were going to look. We knew they were going to be tough. We were their Big East opener. But since then, they, they're just under 500 in Big East play. What can we expect from these Musketeers? Who should we watch out for? We know that they're great defensively. They have a great three-point defense. But just refresh the memory of some guys out here that we should keep an eye out on. Well, as I mentioned last time, we got to keep a big eye out for the uh... – the big four for Xavier. Najee Marshall, Tyreek Jones, Paul Scruggs, Quentin Gooden. In my mind, those are the big four. I know Zach Fremantle has kind of worked his way into a uh, formidable role there, but those four guys have always been a big problem. In that last Villanova game, Tyreek Jones was a big problem. Uh, Najee Marshall was a big problem. They, they lit up the scoreboard and kept Xavier in it. And I know you were mentioning the big margin of victory uh, that Villanova usually has over them and Villanova. But the fact that Villanova was trying to pull away, 
completely and make that a nice easy win. Xavier was not going uh, quietly into the night. And they, so far this year, they've beaten Seton Hall at Seton Hall. That was a pretty big win for them. Uh, that was kind of out of nowhere. They locked down Powell. I mean, I know Quincy McKnight got hurt in that game, but I think the game was pretty much decided by then. They just gave Butler a run for their money this past Wednesday. Even though they lost, they lost at Marquette by two in double overtime. They should have won that game. So they, they've given the top teams of the Big East some problems. Uh, I know they didn't have that much success with Creighton, but against Seton Hall and Butler, they've uh, at least fought hard with, against them. But I just this isn't like the top team, the top Xavier teams we're expected or used to. I thought this team would be a lot better. I think I said in our preview show that they would come in third in the Big East. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, barring an insane run to end the year. But I, it's at Cintas, so that's always a big negator in whatever talent disparity there is. I still think Villanova goes in there and wins, but that big four, if they can get going, if one of the two of the four, three of the four get going, it's going to be a real hard uh, game at Cintas for sure. And But the thing, though, with their top guys is they're mostly working inside. They mostly dominate or anchor the floor, so we can't give up that post position to Tyreek Jones. We can't let Najee Marshall and Paul Scruggs just slash their way inside, even though Scruggs can occasionally make it three. But let's test that interior effort, and I would like to see JRE kind of anchor the floor defensively and see Nova just buckle down. There's going to be a lot of slashers, probably some one-on-one D, probably some help on the right situations. So we're going to see how it goes. Chris, what is your prediction for this one? I know Sintas is a tough place to play, and even though – Xavier has lost, and even though they've been up and down a conference play, what do you think is going to happen? I think Villanova wins, kind of similar to my DePaul prediction. I think it's about five, seven points, but I think the game's close start to finish. I think Xavier gets out to a hot start. I unfortunately believe Villanova's not going to start all the best there. It's that type of road environment I just don't like them in. But I think they are able to buck down, buckle down, get a little bit of a comeback going and end up winning this game. I think Sadiq Bey leads the charge. I know he had a very tough game against the uh, Temple. Uh, obviously, we don't know what he's going to do yet against the Paul, but I'm assuming he'll just do his normal Sadiq Bey stuff. And then against Xavier, I think he'll come out and light the world on fire. I think this is a big opportunity for him to show off. Um, and to your point that with the inside guys for Xavier, I mean, most of their guys operate inside. If you remember, they only hit one three against Villanova in that game one of 11, and that was at, like, very end garbage time stuff. So hopefully we can somewhat play a good perimeter defense. And if you remember, that Xavier game was also when the defense kind of started to get better um, and kind of graduated into that next level where they weren't as bad. So hopefully uh, the defense uh, replicates its performance, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen, even though I do believe there will be a slow start. Sir Pomeroy has Nova losing. He has Xavier as a 52% favorite, and I believe he says it's a one-point margin of victory. I am siding with you, Chris. I think Nova does win this one. I'm expecting a close one. Wouldn't be surprised with a slow start at this point. I want to see a better effort from JRE. We're going to need him. We're going to need him to hold down the inside. Last time out, he didn't really get to do much. He only had five points, only shot two or four, only had four boards. He had three turnovers. He did have three steals, but overall, it just wasn't a typical JRE game. I'd like to see him bounce back this time around and help Nova win one on the road here. To those Midwesterners, hope you have fun at the game. But if you're outside of Chicago, if you're away from Cincinnati, the DePaul game will be on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. 
It'll be on CBS Sports Network, so get those channel guides ready. And then the Xavier game on Saturday will be on at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, and it'll be on Fox. So no problem finding that one. Chris, we missed out on the mailbag last time, but it's that time of the day where we stop overdoing, pop open the mailbag, and answer the questions that the listeners have there for us. We got a lot here. We got a lot to tackle. So, Chris, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First one from John Palmay. Season reset. Six more Villanova Big East games. What's your Villanova win-loss prediction for those next six? So we got a road trip out here to the Midwest. We got DePaul Wednesday, Xavier Saturday. After that, we got St. John's back at home, Providence at home on the Saturday following, and then we end the season on the road at Seton Hall and then at Georgetown. So four away games, two home games. Yeah. DePaul, Xavier, St. John's, Providence, Hall, and Georgetown. Chris, what is your prediction? You know, I'm already at 2-0 and with victories over DePaul and Xavier. I think they would take care of business against St. John's. I think they will take care of business against Providence. Those last two are completely up in the air for me. Uh, I know Georgetown's been through a tumultuous season, but I I think they lose one of those last two. So either at Seton Hall or at Georgetown, I'm willing to give Villanova one of those victories against who I don't know yet, but I, I say 5-1. and one. I say five and one, and they lose at Hull. Fair. I mean, that's probably the predict most likely outcome. <laughs> you want to know what Ken Palm thinks? Uh, four and two. Three and three. Ooh, ooh. Who's the third one against Xavier? Well, Z- I was thinking Xavier. Oh, so Xavier. Oh, Xavier Hall. Hall yeah, Xavier Hall. Georgetown. Wow. Okay. That's. I hope that's not the case. That'll make me yeah, sad. Please, better, please don't make that happen. Please don't make that happen. It better not be. That would be real. Losing bad. to Seton Hall and Georgetown in the same week? Oh, God, no. Oof. No, 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 no. You're upsetting every generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, all Villanova fans can unite under one angry <laughs> banner. Yeah, ooh, that would be real bad, especially leading into the Big East tournament. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. No, 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 no. no. Next question from Brendan Riley. Is Jay Wright the best Big Five coach of all time? Now, when he says that, I'm assuming he means just in Big Five contests, or are we saying, like, any coach who has coached a Big Five team? I think he means any coach that's coached a Big Five team. Okay. Well, I don't know. That that would be a real – I would have to probably sit down and go through the books on that. I mean, Riley's up there. He's He's really good. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think I think Jay surpassed him, man. No, I know. In, in terms of accolades, yeah. Eh. I feel like that guy would be interesting gonna to be around. I was going to say him next, actually. I feel like John Chaney's Can we he's interesting. He's interesting, but I don't think he's better than Jay Wright. I mean, I don't want to upset the older crowd. Like, Ashley Howard? <laughs> Ashley Howard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's getting there, slowly but surely. I mean, if you want to give, a, you want to give a Mount Rushmore... I guess you could put like Jay, Raleigh, Cheney, and then Martelli, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know. Who who would you say? Oh uh, come on, man. It's Jay Wright, dude. This guy this guy's running the show here. All right, I'll 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 give in. It I'll say Jay. There's definitely some guy in like the forties that someone's gonna be like, he had the most wins in this time. I'm just I don't want to. That. Yeah, yeah, he probably – there probably might be some coach in the 40s, but that's also when, uh, you know, they were playing against carpenters and plumbers. <laughs> and that tired and true cliche that everyone loves to use whenever they see black and white basketball footage. 
you're starting to sound like sports talk Barry. You know, you, oh, is, is that what he says? Oh, God, that's what happens when you hang around Twitter too much. <laughs> he always says that Michael Jordan played up, played against carpenters and electricians. So, <laughs> <laughs> Next set of questions from Jerry Quinn. First, when is it appropriate to storm the court after when in D1 college basketball? Providence went over Seton Hall, seemed to break all the norms for a sensible court storming protocol. Oh, no, I'm all, I'm all in. If anyone wants to storm the court against Seton Hall, except for Villanova, obviously, because we'd look like clowns. And if you're a high-ranked team than Seton Hall, or if you're also in the top 25, can't do it. But if all those fringe teams, even if Providence was receiving votes and they stormed the court, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I didn't realize Providence stormed the court. I guess they, did. They, did. they did, they did, they did. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> what was Seton Hall ranked? 10th? Were they 10th? They were 10th, right? Yeah, they correct. Yeah, they were uh, up there in the caboose for the top I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure I've said that said it in the past. Like, I don't care if you storm the court. Like, have fun. No, 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 no. There's there are certain times where you can well, and can't. No, no. I mean, like, like, like when Butler like, stormed. Like, do you remember when Butler stormed it, or was that Butler who stormed it against us? Even though we were yes. both in the top 25, like that was yeah. pretty stupid. Yeah, like yeah, like I all right. Let me rephrase. If obviously, if like you're a top, if you're a ranked team and you're beating a top five team, I, I think it's a little weird, but I'd be okay with it. Like if you're unranked and you beat like like ten, like if you're in double digits numbers, I don't I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate if you're ranked. I would say that court stormings are allowed if there was like some insane buzzer beater and you stormed the court. Like okay, but I feel like it, one ranked team storming. On a, another ranked team, it's just it just rubs me the wrong way. But if you're an underdog, like the Providence went over Sheen Hall, I was I was not that upset with it. I was surprised though because they didn't storm it against us. At least I don't think they did. Providence? Yeah, we fell out the dunk in 2018. I'm trying to think if they did. I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. Maybe they maybe it must have been planned or something. They probably had like a student plan where it was like if they do win, they I don't know. But uh. Yeah, I, I guess it was a little out of whack, out of character, but I'm I'm okay with it. I don't care. I would storm the court every game. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, if you're ranked higher, like obviously, I understand the protocol. Like obviously, if you're ranked higher, if you're ranked or like you're being like a 25th team, like no. Oh, okay, yeah, then okay, yeah, that, like, that's a little silly. Yeah, I understand, but like I'm just saying, like in general, like. I don't. I don't really have a problem with court storming. Do, do whatever you want. Yeah, if, if I had to put unwritten rules, it it can only be unranked team beating someone in the top ten, mm-hmm. or crazy buzzer beater. But don't be. But same same rules apply. Same same rule, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. As long as you fulfill criteria number one. Yes. 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 And Jerry Quinn's second question is: Ball movement in the second half seemed to be improved against Temple. Can we build on this moving forward? I really hope so because that ball movement. Who? Yeah. Who? You sent me that clip, Eugene. That was a, uh, that was pretty crazy. Snapshot like that, that was a pretty sick possession they had. You want to go into more detail about that? Oh, well, you know, I, I was watching it and when I was watching the game, obviously I was excited, but to watch it later removed from the game was great. To watch it later, removed from the game, coming from Knicks fans telling me, wow, this is what you guys have been doing all this time? Wow. I can't believe people don't talk about you more. I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for finally catching on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's like, oh, you bastards. There's more, there's more to college hoops than Zion, Duke, Kentucky, mm-hmm. UNC, blah, blah, blah. 
But, yeah, no, I really hope to see that ball movement continue moving forward. That was excellent. That second half overall, you could just copy-paste that, please. I'll sign up for that every time. That was amazing. Yeah, where was that? Where has that been all year? <laughs> Wish they could break it out every single possession. Yeah, hopefully that we like we, we can see that a lot more. I don't know about against Xavier because they have great three-point defense, but, hey, if you're shooting them up and you're making them and everyone's got the hot hand, there's nothing you can do. And with ball movement like that, that was that was just classic Villanova basketball right there. Passing up a good shot for an even greater shot, amazing, amazing. Chef's mm-hmm. kiss when Colin made that corner three to end it. Yep. Yeah, that possession around like the six-minute mark of the second half, so that was beautiful. I really hope so, Jerry. I really hope so. And the next question is from Fran Donaway. First, a side note, uh, because we used the GIF that had Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins – Fran said, uh, oh, my favorite Wildcat right there is Josh Hart. Yeah, Josh Hart's definitely definitely cool. He's definitely a cool guy. He's up there. He's, he's, he's got he's a right. Twitch channel. He likes Chipotle. He likes simple things. He likes video games. He's got a podcast, too. We support our fellow podcasters. Sounds like us, Eugene. Yes, except we're not in the NBA, so we're not as cool. Oh, not right. Cool. Yeah. And, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. We don't have as much money either. No, no, no. Nowhere near as much money. No. <laughs> But Fran's question is, what do you foresee for Antoine Daniels and Dixon next year? I'm expecting good things. I know that Antoine seems to be a little iffy in terms of what's going to happen, but I think one year in the system, he'll be fully healthy, I'd imagine. So, And he'll have an offseason to work and grind as well. I think he's going to be great. Caleb Daniels, I'm pretty excited for. I have a feeling that he's going to be pretty solid. Dylan Ennis type, I think he's going to be one of those point guards that can really help right away once he's free from the redshirt. And then Eric Dixon. No, he's kind of like a forgotten guy right now because he redshirted, but he's a guy that I've seen around Philly Hoops during my City Basketball Love days, and I'm pretty excited for him, especially once he'll be able to get in better shape. Working with Shaq Fit, Dixon will be a pretty good contributor. Has there been anything on the Dixon front that you've heard, like in terms of like his retro year, like how he's progressing in practice and whatever? Like, have you heard any good things? Nothing yet. Just the usual. Oh, he's coming along great. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I guess of that three, I mean, obviously, like Antoine fully healthy really excites me, but I don't know. I, I'm really intrigued to see what Daniels brings to the table. Yeah. Like, same. I, I wish he was playing this year, obviously, but like. To see him in full throttle next year, I think that's going to be cool. He's going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm not a Tulane anymore? Oh, I have better teammates around me? Oh, this is this is fun again. I love basketball. Winning? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that team, when he left, was – that, yeah, uh, that was pretty rough. Yeah, it was bad. Eesh. This next one is from Reese Schoenweather. Who is more likely to enter the draft after this year, Bay or JRE? And if neither do – are we preseason top three next year? Oh, Ooh, yeah. if everybody stays, <laughs> I, I'm going to say this again. That's going to be, oh, my God, I'm excited right now on this Tuesday morning talking about it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to – we're oh, wow, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. I can't even put in words right now because Reese is getting me going here on this Tuesday. Uh, obviously, we've got a lot of this season left. But if you're looking forward to next year and everyone does stay, that is a uh, ultra-death lineup. That is uh, that would be real fun to watch, but to answer the question, if I had to take a guess, I would guess Sadiq Bay. I mean, I don't know if J- I'm barring like a crazy tournament run. I don't think JRE is gonna leave. I mean, he's played well, but I, I don't I don't know how. I don't think he's graded out. I don't think he would be graded out all that well, draft stock wise. I think he would stay for another year, but I do believe Sadiq Bay would probably leave if he does have a good tournament. 
Yeah, we've seen Sadiq Bey enter like first round conversation or a high second, whatever the deal is. But if he's able to comfortably play his way into first round, I have a feeling that he'll probably go. Jerry, we haven't really seen him too much in the first round conversation yet. Sometimes, obviously, he plays like a first rounder. But right now, I, I would like to see him stay. But that's also my bias talking. So, yeah, I think he stays. I think they both stay. That, but that, that's my bias. Reese, you have me excited. You have me excited, Reese. Who needs coffee? <laughs> Who needs coffee when you can just be dreaming up plays for next year's team with everybody back? Yeah, the 2021 Villanova Wildcats. Much more important than any possible caffeine intake. This next one is from Roger Evoy. Jermaine's inconsistent offense. Is it a product of his role, the offense, or just a player he is? I think they need him as a consistent third-scoring option. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I think they definitely need him as a consistent third-scoring option. As we've seen, we've seen those two-man shows where it's Gillespie and Bay, and obviously that didn't really work out against Butler, or they fell just short against Butler. Love to see Jermaine be consistent, but Chris, what do you think the problem is here? I think it's a little bit. I think it's system. a little bit of all the above. Yeah, I, I would say more so system and just who he is. I think he he kind of. He kind of lurks. I'm waiting for his spot. I don't think he's really more of a like a I don't know like an a, a aggressive type of player like give me the ball like I'm gonna go score and get a layup I think that's more of Sadiq Bay's thing but I mean Jermaine Samuels is a very great player and very athletic and can do whatever he wants but I, I think the system kind of tends to more of a diverse scoring group and like where he won't be demanding the ball as much so I just I think that's kind of why it might seem like he's like kind of like hiding in the corner almost waiting for a shot yeah I'd say that's pretty fair I will say though that if there's one thing that Jermaine Samuels is not shy about that's getting a rebound this guy crashes right. so well i love yeah. it yeah defensively and on the boards he's one of the best and probably the most aggressive player on the team i would have to say but uh offensively i think he kind of plays the system more and kind of just more concerned about his role than more so you know going to get a bucket fair fair next one from art axe why ball stopping dribbling it's not part of drive kick out and shoot they know better but succumb like an addiction ball travels further and quicker with passes I do agree that the ball does travel further and quicker with passes. The first part of the question, or the question, <laughs> is he talking about like when they drive inside and then they just kind of stop and they just kind of freeze in the paint? Because I've, I've seen that. That's a little frustrating. Yeah, I, I think we could roll with that. Yeah, that, that's, that definitely is a frustrating aspect for sure. I will say, though, that ball movement second half, if we can see more of that, I think that's what Art wants to see more of. I could sign up for that. Yeah, please. It would be a, it would be a treat to see this, <laughs> see that those uh, – Possession is strung along for uh, the rest of the year. Next question is from Mike Jacobs, the Mike Town. Mike J. He wants to know, best Mexican beer, Corona, Pacifico, Modelo, Dos Equis, Tecate. Chris, best Mexican Ooh, beer. That's tough. Well, I'm going to have to go with the first beer I ever tried, and that would be a Dos Equis. I'd go Dos Equis, Tecate, Corona, and I never had Modelo or Pacifico. Oh, man. Oh, you're missing out. Modelo is great, but Tecate all day. Tecate all day. Really? Is that good? I like Modelo. A Modelo, nothing like a nice ice-cold Modelo on the beach. Oh, my. So what would your rankings be? Uh, Tecate, Modelo, everybody else. It's that far of a drop off for you. It's it's that far of a drop off for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know. I guess Dos Equis isn't that 
great, but I, I have sentimental value with it. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. My friend didn't know what Dos Equis was until like last month, and I couldn't believe him. And then I showed him a commercial of the most interesting man on the earth. What? And he was like, I've never seen this before. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> what? Wow. You've been living under a rock from like 2010. That's what I said. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm trying this new beer right now. Takes a picture. I'm like, you've never heard of Dos Equis. <laughs> you've oh, never man. seen. And then I showed the picture of the guy and he's like, I don't know who that is. And then I showed him a commercial. Didn't know who it was. And then he I, was like yeah. a great meme for a while. A, a very long time. He was like early 2010s, mid 2010s yeah. meme. Yeah. Wow. And they still play the commercials all the time. It's not like he went away. They do. That's uh, that's that's a special kind of uh, ignorance, I guess. I don't know what the right term would be. Yeah. Plus sorry, so- world. I have a whack boyfriend. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, as, did he enjoy the dosekis at least, Eugene? He did, but how have you never heard of it? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That doesn't make any sense. But yeah, for me, it's Tecate. I actually had Tecate last night with my tacos. Ah, great choice. Delicious. Hmm. Wasn't El Taco Luchador, but it was the tacos. Who would have thought the best place we would ever have tacos was at a small shack in Louisville? (laughs) Yeah. I will say I, I did have tacos when I was in San Antonio for the Final Four. They were good, but... El Taco Luchador, man. I still remember that. And the plantains? Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did get plantains. <laughs> we had to wait extra a little bit longer for those, but that was okay. It was worth the wait. Yeah, chowing down on the Al Pastor, some mm-hmm. chicken tinga. Ooh. Oof. Good stuff. Good stuff. Speaking of which, does Louisville have any uh, regional games uh, anytime soon in the near future? I think they do. I don't remember. Oh. I want to well, say – or maybe I could be confusing with last year. I don't remember. We're going to have to look it up after this. Oh, well, I hope I hope Villanova gets a game there, Eugene. We should go back. Yeah, except this time we'll, we'll fly because we have money now. We're not, we're not broke college students. We don't have to drive. Right. That's true. And we'll be able to drink because we won't have to drive. Exactly. Being responsible, having money, and being able to eat some good tacos. Win-win. And drinking Tecate, the best Mexican beer, in my opinion. Hey, I'll take the cup. Co- the Tecate. It's number two on my list, so I will I will gladly have one. Next question is from Izzy. They want to know, how big of an impact will it be choosing to attend Villanova over any other school? We're talking big impact. We're talking big leagues. We're talking premier academic institution with a premier basketball program. This is top of the line here, and it's a great place. I don't know where you're from, Izzy, but if you're anywhere... I'm going to guess New Jersey or New York or Pennsylvania. Great drive. Far enough away from the fam. Excellent campus. Excellent places around campus. Great people. Friendly environment. Join the Villanova community. Throw up your Vs. Cheer at the games. Show the basketball program. And be like another one of us. And then when you're old enough, you can join the comment section on VU Hoops and then yell at like everybody else. Isn't that the whole reason why you go to Villanova, Eugene, is to join the VU Hoops comment section eventually? Yeah, because everybody knows you can't join the VU Hoops comment section if you're like an NC State fan or if you're like uh, a <laughs> St. Joe's fan. Like, what are you doing? Mm-mm, no, can't have that. Rite of passage. Izzy, I would like to know what other schools you're considering, but without knowing the list, I would say uh, Villanova would definitely be the right choice, high-impact choice, and a high-caliber, big-boy 
move. Perfectly said, Eugene. Chris, how big of an impact is it? Uh, it's, it's big time. Yeah, it's I, pretty I, big. It is your college choice. It, it is. It's uh, the next four years of your life. Ideally, uh, it would be the next four ideally, years of your life. Yes, yeah. you can change that at any moment. It's perfectly understandable. But I, I think you summed it up well. And then this next question we got from Rob E. via DM, sliding to the DMs, which is kind of fitting because his question was about Valentine's Day, and I know it passed, but he wants to know, what is your best love advice? Chris, what is your best love advice? No, I'm passing that one up. Oh! <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Yo, um, come on, dude. you got to give the people what they want. Uh, we, we missed out on Thursday. We got to – we got to – shout no out to my man Rob, yo. No one wants love advice from me. I'll but, give, I'll give but, love advice. I'll give love I'll, advice. I'll, I'll give something. I'll give something. Do what makes you happy. Love it. Very simple, <laughs> if you, sweet. If you like someone, ask them out. Don't be afraid of whatever repercussions there are. Shoot, shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot 2020. All right, my love advice is date a Villanovan because when March Madness rolls around or when college basketball games want to go around and you want to go to the game, which I'm sure all Villanovans want to do, you'll at least have someone to watch it with or that can enjoy it <laughs> or that can understand <laughs> if you want to go with your boys or your friends to watch a game. Let me tell you, you know, obviously when you're a Villanovan – you date other Villanovans. It was a great time. And then once I got out of college, I was seeing a UNC girl for a little bit or someone who didn't appreciate college basketball. Oh, my God. What What do you mean? Didn't they just have a game? I, what? <laughs> what? This is like a game every three days. This, is, this isn't like – I just want to hang out with my friends, enjoy the game, you get into conflicts. You got you to gotta delegate things. You got to compromise. Oh, no, no. You got a date of Villanovan, someone who can enjoy college basketball. I'll say someone who can enjoy college basketball because at least they'll understand, but even better when it's a Villanovan. That way, no questions when you're going all over the place for March Madness every weekend or when you disappear to watch a game or when you have to drop everything you want to do on a Tuesday night or on a Friday night to watch the Cats. You got, you got to get someone who understands or at least can watch it with you. Yeah, get your Bay to watch Bay. Right? Yes, exactly. Bay needs to watch Bay. If yes. Bay does not watch Bay, then we have a problem. No, or no, we don't have a problem, but there will be problems when for the third weekend in a row you just want to watch a Villanova <laughs> game and you can't. Yeah. That, that's very fair. Great, great advice from Love Guru Eugene Renee. Oh, let me tell you, it was like one of the biggest I didn't realize how much you take it for granted. Because I guess at Villanova, everyone loves college basketball. It's just like one of those like things that there's no question. It's like, oh, you like the team. I like the team. We like the players. Great. We can watch the game together. We can go to the game together. And then after you get out of college, you date someone or you see someone who doesn't like college basketball, and it's a struggle. It's a struggle. They don't get it. They just don't get it. They don't understand. No, they don't. They don't. So find someone who does. But then if you do find someone who likes college basketball, they're going to talk smack about the Big East. So it depends how you take it. That's fine. That and that means you got it's, something. Else it's a little bit better, but at least they'll understand if you want to see your boys or hang out with your friends or go out <laughs> to see the game. But even better when you can share the game with someone else who also appreciates it. And also, let's be honest. I mean, Villanovans are better than UNCs, and they're better than Kansas and all these other blue bloods and all these other college basketball programs. Shout out to Villanovans. Shout out to everyone listening to this pod because I'm pretty sure you got to be a Villanovan if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we could talk smack about UNC girls and or boys too, I guess, because they 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 won't get it. They won't appreciate it. No, for sure.
that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. Glad to be back. Kind of felt like a hot minute. Glad that Chris is off the mountain and back here on the studio recording. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Look for View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone, Google Play. You got so many options and platforms. I'm sure I missed a couple too while we're at it. Be sure to check back at viewhoops.com. Check back, check often. Follow View Hoops on social media. Like our page on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at View Hoops. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Europay5. And I'm Chris Tanziel. I got nothing to plug. But I do ask everybody out there to please say a prayer for my thumb, which I injured on the mountain this past weekend. It suffered a severe sprain. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm fine. But just Did you just say you have a hand injury? I, oh, I do. I do. Yes. Wow. You fit in with everybody else. I, I know. I, it was my first thought when I got up off the mountain and I realized I was injured. I'm like, oh, I am now a true villain. I have a hand injury. I am so happy <laughs> to be considered one of the boys now. Everybody say a prayer for Chris's thumb. Have a great <laughs> rest of the week. Sorry I won't be here on Thursday. Blame me this time. Blame me. Blame me. But I hope everyone has a great rest of the week. We'll be back at it next Tuesday. Let's beat some Blue Demons. Let's beat some Musketeers. Let's keep rolling and let's keep this winning streak moving on up.